time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 27 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day and kiss them too. Don't forget, we brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Coffee, coffee. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? It's caramel again. (laughs) I think that's your favorite. It's delicious. (laughs) If you're a fan of delicious coffee and scrumptious pastries and all kinds of other good stuff and you're local, head on over to Coffee Coffee. You will not be disappointed. Okay, so it's June. Can you believe it? May flew by. Was there a May? There was May. I remember May because I sheared all of those llamas and alpacas <laughs> and then the sheep shearer came. Yeah, I mean, May was like a blurb. It was just like we went were super, super fast. busy. We were super busy. We've been really, really busy, but you know, just put it out there in a very good way. Absolutely. To be super busy. Mm-hmm. So we're excited and the busyness is a fantastic thing, but I'm telling you, the days are going by quickly and quickly and quickly. Yeah. Well, we got to go to that awesome ceremony at Mount Vernon. That yes. Was the USPS Heritage Breed Stamp Unveiling with the Livestock The dedication, yeah. Which was fantastic. We were super excited to receive the invitation, both for the dedication and then the VIP lunch okay. and I the tour after. I do not know how we landed on the VIP list. I mean, I am a Livestock Conservancy member, but I don't know how we were lucky enough to merit VIP status. But the lunch was fantastic. And the tour of the barn afterwards. Yeah, I made my day. I just want to say another thank you to the Livestock Conservancy. Oh, yeah. Uh, members and staff who set up the ceremony. It must have taken tons of work. And the staff at Mount Vernon as well. Yeah. Um, the Livestock Manager, Lisa Pregent, and her fantastic staff. I will say that those animals are immaculately cared oh, for. Oh, yeah. If you're going to be a livestock animal, that's the place to be. Absolutely. I mean... <laughs> Really, you can tell their heart is in it. And we just had the best time. So we just want to throw a gigantic thank you out there again. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And lunch was delicious. The tour was amazing. We got to snuggle with the horses. For anyone who doesn't realize or is not really on the East Coast and able to visit, mm-hmm. Mount Vernon was the home of George Washington when right. he was alive. Right. And so it's still preserved as it was that during those days. Right. And with the help of the Mount Vernon Ladies Association, the estate has been repopulated with maybe not exactly the breeds that George Washington would have kept, but breeds that could have been around at the time, and he certainly could have had. Right. So the mansion is fully furnished how it would have been Mm -hmm. in the days that he lived here. And he lived on a huge amount of land. Not only is it gorgeous farmland, but he was on the Potomac River, which is absolutely gorgeous. So the mansion sits and looks right over the river. Mm -hmm. And if anybody wants to come visit the East Coast, and you do, and you're out near Northern Virginia, Maryland, Washington, D.C., do yourself the biggest favor ever and visit Mount Vernon. It's an amazing place. It really amazing. is. And another plug for the Hog Island sheep. Uh, the staff at Mount Vernon maintain a, a flock of Hog Island sheep. They're a critically endangered sheep breed. I'm lucky enough to have two beautiful girls from that flock. That is a huge flock of sheep there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was endless. They're probably the biggest breeder of hog island sheep. I think they're instrumental in keeping that breed alive. Yeah. And I they're mean, amazing little sheep. A lot. A lot. Mm-hmm. If you're a livestock animal, you want to be there for sure. <laughs> 
down the road for the 4th of July, we're going to be having some special stuff. Absolutely. So that we have some stuff cooking for the 4th of July. The other amazing thing at the ceremony was that we got to go love up some Wyandotte chickens. Oh, yeah. We met some really nice new Mm -hmm. friends Mm -hmm. that breed Wyandotte chickens. And it was like, what a coincidence that that's the breed that we're doing today. Right. But yes, we met Amy and Chester. Mm-hmm. They live in Southern Maryland and they breed the wine dot and they brought a hen and a roux. They were golden lace wine dots. Yeah, they were gorgeous and they were so sweet. And we enjoyed holding the roux. That you was... said you were going to name him Love Bug. Love Bug. Well, he fell asleep in my arms. Yeah. What we, better tribute can you have? We got to meet the donkey that's actually on stamp sharpie we have some photos on our instagram of us yeah with we, couldn't, with sharpie. we couldn't wait we just put all the photos up that day <laughs> so it was really a fun day and we actually got to meet george washington yes he came back. he's extraordinarily authentic he was very he really authentic. he really is yes it was a lot of fun between all the livestock that we got to see and hold and snuggle and hug <laughs> and then lunch and then the tour Thank you for including us. You made us feel so special, and we really appreciate it. It was such a fun and beautiful afternoon. Yeah, well, the weather couldn't have been better. Mm-hmm. We were just happy to be out there. Mm-hmm. So, are we ready to move on? Well, we're not moving too far. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I do have to bring us in with a breed spotlight. Yeah. yeah. I had to give this one a little something because the wine dot's on the stamp. Yes. It's quite an honor for that breed of chicken to be chosen. Absolutely. And you know what? If you don't have those stamps, go get them. I need to go get mine. Yeah, the heritage breed stamps. And if your post office doesn't carry them, you can order them online. There's a chicken in these stamps. I know. There's a chicken. We were all talking at lunch, and it was so funny. It's like, look, we don't want to rival Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. (laughs) But that stamp, it's the quickest selling out stamp. Mm -hmm. At eight months. Mm -hmm. So the Heritage Breed Stamp and the Livestock Conservancy is trying to get sold out before eight months. So everybody needs to get their stamps Let's go do our part. You know you all want chickens on a stamp anyway. And all the rest of the livestock are beautiful. Oh, yeah. Everything was beautiful. buy these stamps. So we're going into the Wyandotte. Mm -hmm. Now, the Wyandotte is kind of like known for another American kind of big chicken breed. Mm -hmm. Big, beautiful American breed of chicken. They're well known for those laced feathers. So they have the silver lace is the most common, followed by the gold laced. They're really, really beautiful. They're another success story. They graduated from the poultry conservation list in 2016. Okay. Along with the Orpington. The Orpington. Mm-hmm. Wyandots are named for an indigenous group of Native Americans who once populated the northern U.S., including sort of upstate New York, up right. in Michigan. The silver lace Wyandotte was the first variety developed. It was developed in New York State in the late 1800s. Right. A mix of breeds went into the development, but they did include the Dark Brahma and the Hamburg. Okay. The Wyandotte was originally called the American Seabright, which is a bantam. Right. It was also called the Seabright Cochin. Okay. And it was added to the American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection in 1883. It's been around a while. Yeah, it has. Yeah. It's a dual-purpose breed heavyweight. These are big chickens. Yeah, the ones that we were seeing, the hen and the roux, were both pretty large. The roux was pretty large. He was. He was hefty. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I always look at the roux's legs because they're so much thicker than the hens. Yeah. You know, you look at the little hens are so thin, mm-hmm. the legs, and then you look at these roux and you're like, man, <laughs> that's a sturdy leg that's there. a sturdy leg. He was not as heavy as Ricardo Montalban, if you're wondering. Yeah. But he was a big guy. And I held him too. I know. <laughs> so again, heavyweight, very cold hardy. 
Yeah, they're very popular right now. They are. They have the rose comb and the red ear lobes. Right. And the hens are supposed to be good layers of brown eggs, varying shades of brown egg. Right. Through my research, I did not find a lot of information about why the breed declined. Okay. And how they ended up on the poultry conservation list in the endangered status. Okay. I'm concluding that so many of the heritage breeds, they just didn't fit industrial standards. After the Second World War, they just fell out of favor, fell out of fashion. Well, what happened was the whole chicken keeping fell out of fashion. Right. So when you had in, let's say, the 30s, 40s, that was when it was at a height of backyard chicken Mm -hmm, farming. And that's what I talk about. You know, my great-grandparents having a chicken farm again in the 40s, the 50s. Right. And then basically what happened was it was, hey, let's get commercial, you know, and you're going to go to the grocery store, you're going to pick out your eggs. And it fell out of fashion, the whole chicken keeping thing. So a lot of these heritage breeds were not set for industrial egg laying. There were pockets, you know, in the 50s and 60s, people who had their big gardens and their chickens, my grandparents with their Rhode Island Reds. But it didn't fall out. Exactly. And in general, you didn't start to see some of that resurgence until the 1970s, as we always say. This is a larger breed chicken. The Leghorn, the Rhode Island Red kind of kept its popularity because of industrialism. Right. And industrialism was the, I don't want to say killer of these breeds, but basically it was. It was. I mean, they matured slowly. They lay later. All of those things, large chickens, they probably eat a lot. They eat a lot more. All of those things. Yeah. So it's good that we're bringing them back, both them, the Orpington in 2016. 2016 is around the time where chickens started making a resurgence in the 2000s. Five years ago, they were really hitting a a, a pinnacle. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I felt like that was sort of waning a little bit until COVID hit and then it's right back up. Yeah. I think it was steadily growing in the more rural areas. Probably. And then basically COVID hit and then it didn't matter if you're in rural or in city, whatever, wherever at that point, then you wanted the chickens. And I'm hoping in all of that, that even though life is getting back to normal now, Mm -hmm. that those people are staying with what they're doing. Well, the need for food security is not going to go away. No. And all of the things about the wind out that made them not appropriate for industrial settings are many of the things that we want in a backyard flock. Right. Well, they're very beautiful chickens. Yes. So I can see why the artist would choose this chicken for a stamp. Absolutely. It's very beautiful. They're very popular. You're right. They're really beautiful. They're known for those gold and silver lace feathers. But did you know this? There are also solid color wind dots. No, I did not. Me either. So apparently the APA recognizes black, buff, blue, and white. Okay. In addition to Colombian, the Colombian wine dot, there's a partridge wine dot, and there's a silver pencil. Okay. So all of those. They're also extraordinarily popular in the UK. Yeah, which most things that are popular here are, are also popular in the UK. Right, but they can also be found in other countries. They're extremely popular around the rest of the world. When we get to the list of clubs, you'll see what we're talking about. They're very popular show chickens, and they're available as a bantam. Okay. Good things to know. Absolutely. So personality-wise, what have we heard? Okay. So what I've heard about, actually, I've experienced myself, too, in the wine dot, is that the chickens tend to not be as friendly. They're not as snuggly. This is the opposite of what we learned about the chicken the other day. Right. The chicken the other day at the Mount Vernon was very he snuggly. Was very snuggly. Yes, and very friendly. And it goes back into saying, and I can't say this enough, you get out what you put in. Right. In any kind of chicken. Any kind of chicken has the ability to be snuggly and cuddly and right. all these other things. But I've kind of seen them before myself not mm-hmm. be 
the most able to be handled. I've never had them myself, but I've been told that they're friendly with people, but they're difficult in a mixed flock. Yeah. And I kind of saw someone, a friend had just a flock of them. Okay. And only one chicken could be held. So did they handle them from chicks? Yes, yeah, they did. Okay. From day one. And okay. it was in a family with mm-hmm. kids. Okay. So, you know, again, they handled them a ton. And that's kind of goes along with kind of the things I've heard. It's not to say this is every single chicken that we say it can or can't have a good personality. Right. Any chicken can be your best friend. Mm-hmm. You have to take the time to handle them and do all those important things with right. them just put in a lot of love. Mm-hmm. But those are just the things that I heard. And when our friends of ours had them, I had to take care of them a few times and they're not going to run up to you. Right. Okay. There's so many of them too. I wonder how many different bloodlines are going. Things like that might play in. Oh yeah. Most definitely. I mean, given their sheer size, I'd be careful with them in a mixed flock anyway, because if they were more assertive, I would be worried about my laid back chickens. I think we were talking about this on the phone this morning. We were just randomly talking about the wine dots that we met mm-hmm. and then whether or not to put them, what kind of flock you would put them in. And right. then I was like, well, to me, I'd put the barred rocks with them because they could hang with them. Mm-hmm. And there might be a little bit of problem in the beginning getting a packing order, but they'd sort it out. They'd sort it out. I wouldn't put them with our salmon faverols or the leghorns. No. <laughs> so do research. Yes. Mm-hmm. Figure out where you want to put them. And really, the breeders we were talking to, Amy and Chester, they had some other breeds, but the majority of what they had were wine dots. Yes, that's what they were saying. So again, this breed is super popular, and we have a bunch of clubs to give you. Oh, yeah. We'll list them off for you. So there's the Wine Dot Breeders Club of America and the Wine Dot Bantam Club of America. Then there's the Wine Dot Club of the UK and the Laced Wine Dot Club of the UK. And we're going around the world a little further. The Wine Dot Club of Australia. And then the Netherlands Wine Dot Club. Yes. So it goes to show. And there are others. <laughs> yeah. It's a very, very popular chicken yes. worldwide. Mm-hmm. And in America, it's very popular. They're absolutely dropped dead gorgeous chickens. They're really beautiful. I've only seen really laced ones, so I haven't seen. I haven't seen the solid colors either. Everything that I've seen is the laced. Yeah, exactly. I have not seen anything that was solid color. Mm-hmm. They all have reputations for being one way or another. Right. If you take them, you love them, you handle them, they're going to know. Well, if that rooster were anything to count by. He was the most calm. He fell asleep in my arms with all that commotion going on around us at the ceremony. He fell asleep in my arms. The other thing I did notice, too, he wasn't aggressively trying to defend his hand or or get with her. No, he wasn't. (laughs) Which was very nice. He was like, this is not a private setting. Yeah. Not the mood for love here. No, he just let her be. Yeah. She seemed to be a little more nervous than him, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't all on her in an appropriate way there. He was giving her space. He was. I would definitely recommend this chicken. I would say work with this chicken every day, though, especially starting at day one. Yeah, I think they would make an excellent homestead chicken. Oh, yeah, for sure. They're beautiful, first of all. And then if you just put lots of love in, you should get lots of love back. And they're good layers and they're quite cold hardy. Oh, yeah. Okay, so now we're going to go to our international correspondent, Fiona, and we're going to go across the pond and have coffee with Fiona. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I wish that everybody listening could see us do the jazz hands when we do that. It's so much fun. So how have you been doing over there? Oh, it's still busy. And we have got broody hens dropping like you wouldn't believe all over nice. the place. And this is basically so. the broody hen report. So we're in the right place at <laughs> the right time. It's a good job, really, isn't it? <laughs> it's great. 
<laughs> so you told us that one of the old English pheasant fowls has gone broody. We're very excited about this. Yeah, little Halloumi. She's lovely. I mean, she's so Aww. tiny as well. Mm-hmm. And she's doing a fantastic job. She's built this fantastic nest where nice. she's kind of pulled the we've got them on wood shavings and she's kind of pulled the wood shavings around herself you know like a formal bowl shape wow just beautiful that's amazing yeah i'll have to send you some photographs oh yes will you be able to have her in any of the video I've actually released a video following the progress of the old English basement fowl from hatching all the way through to Halloumi brooding so that the listeners can have a look at the YouTube channel English Country Life and see her there on her nest. But we'll have lots and lots and lots on Instagram. Um, So if you go and watch at the Floof Lady, they can see her there because she's just so adorable. She's very pretty. I will link to that video in the show notes as well. Anybody who incubating some crested cream leg bar eggs, actually, not nice. old English pheasant fowl eggs. So nice. That's be fun. For everyone who's kind of just joining us, we are going to be doing a brooder report every week with Fiona following her broodies. And this is what we've been waiting for. It's so exciting. We are excited. Finally, it's here. Well, you're not as excited as I am because it's been delayed this year. It's about a month too late for us. Wow. Last year we had amazing temperatures. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, the broodies need two things. They need longer days and they need warmer temperatures. And we just haven't had it because it's been so cold here. And all of a sudden, the temperatures warmed up a bit and they've all gone broody all at the same time. <laughs> so that's become a little bit of a juggling act. But it's good. We're having fun watching them. So we want to ask you about cinnamon. This is what we wanted to talk about this week is cinnamon and how she's settling in in her broody coop. Yeah, she's doing really well. So cinnamon's three years old. Um, she's one of our older Buff Orpingtons now, and she's raised lots and lots of clutches for us. She's really reliable, does a fantastic job every single time. And she's so gentle. You know how lots of broodies get really quite aggressive? And yeah, if you try and definitely. touch them, they'll try and yeah. bite your hand off. Well, she'll just do a little bit of the eagle chicken noise, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's going to sound awful on the podcast. But anyway, so, she'll just make that noise and then she won't even try and grab us. If that's her warning, just please go away. Just let me sit. I just want to sit. And she's fine. She's lovely. So we've now got her settled in her own brood coop. But before we got her there, we've got to make sure that she's actually settled because broodies don't necessarily go broody all at once. They it's a bit like a gradual hormonal change. So they take a little bit of time for them to get used to that hormone flooding their system. Right. And they might sit for a little while, get up the next day, come out, and it will appear like they've broken the brood. So it's best to make sure that they're absolutely settled then move them into a brood coop and then be certain that they've adopted the brood coop. So it's all a bit of a faff, really. So where is she now in this process? We had her in her own coop in, sorry, in the main flock coop. Right. When she started to show the brood tendencies, we gave her some false eggs, which are actually made of plaster of Paris. So they heat up nicely with her own body temperature. Yes. So they react like proper eggs. We left her there for, made sure that she was, properly adopting those eggs for 48 hours to make sure she's settled and then we've moved her into her own brood coop 
Then we've left her another 24 hours to make sure that when we move her, she's not broken, because sometimes that can happen. Lots and lots of people that I know have gone through this for the first time. And as soon as they've moved the hen into their brood coop, they've given them real eggs. And then unfortunately, the broody hen has said, hey, hang on a minute. This isn't where I'm supposed to be. That's a great tip for everybody out there is utilize those fake eggs in that process. Mm -hmm. And then you had the hatching eggs in an incubator, correct? Um, No, we didn't actually. We had them and they're all stored pointy end down, blunt end up top at ambient temperature in the house in egg boxes. And fertilized eggs are viable for up to two weeks. But clearly the the longer you leave it after hatch, the the less likely they are to go ahead. So we've been storing them. And when she moved over, we basically removed the false eggs, gave her the real eggs. Perfect. And they only start to incubate when the chicken actually sits on them. Sits on them. Awesome. Up to that point, they're in suspended animation almost when they're in the house that's being stored at ambient temperature. Oh, yes. It's a wonderful process. Yeah, it's fascinating. It really is. Okay, so the next few weeks for her are going to be just making sure she's comfortable in there. This is where my mind goes. I think she needs a little TV to watch while she's sitting on the nest. (laughs) Well, you say that, but she's got chicken TV. You know how we have our cup of coffee and we sit with the chickens and just watch them roaming around Mm -hmm. and we call that chicken TV? Yeah. She does the same thing. She plonks herself right in front of the pot pole. And so she can watch. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I swear she's taunting all the other hens that want to get into her. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, man, she, they need something to do while they're sitting there. So it sounds like she's pretty set. So we're going to check back in with you next week on Cinnamon's Progress and see how she's doing. That's great. Great. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. We just want to say thank you, Fiona, for the Broody Report. Absolutely. I'm so excited to be learning along. Oh, yeah. And watching as it happens in mm-hmm. real time yeah. is amazing. Well, Fiona can answer those questions. And, and I'm sure I'm going to be bugging her with more questions as I go along my own breeding adventure. But yeah. Fiona can answer those questions in seconds. Oh, yeah. That I would be spending forever looking up in a book. Oh, no. She She's is fantastic. Seasoned. Her knowledge is amazing. So now we're ready to move on to our main topic for today. And this is one that we're kind of excited about because it's kind of neat. We're talking all about eggs. Yeah. And we don't mean cooking the eggs. We mean eggs themselves. Yeah, the egg itself. Exactly. So do you remember the jingle from the 1970s and 80s? What's that? The Incredible Edible Egg. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. So that was the slogan for the American Egg Board. Okay. And today, the Egg Board, you can find them on their website, incredibleegg.org. And the website now includes all kinds of recipes and nutritional information, as well as some other miscellaneous stuff. The Egg Board's job is the same today as it used to be, to promote eggs to consumers. Right. They have a little bit of an uphill climb right now, though, because so many of us are producing our own food. Yeah. So what we're going to do is take you through this wonderful world of chicken eggs. They're amazing. They're strong and, you know, they're sustaining of life and, you know, they're perfect in a lot of ways. They really are. So a hen is born with all of the eggs she will ever lay. And this is the same with people. Right. Most species are. Yeah. 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 So people sometimes don't understand that. Yeah. Eggs don't kind of progress as you do. You're born with the number of eggs that you're going to have in your whole life, along like with chickens. So chickens don't need 
boys. Right. To produce her eggs. The eggs start out as these tiny, tiny little things. Microscopic. Mm-hmm. And then they develop into the yolks that will form the center of the egg. Right. The yolks themselves are composed of various fatty acids. We hear about the omega fatty acids that you get from egg yolk, as well as cholesterol and fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, K, and xanthophils. That's a mouthful. Yes. The the xanthophils are the compounds that give yolk their color. Right. And they belong to the same family as beta carotene. Which you can get out of carrots. Exactly. Which, if you think about it, also marigolds are full of beta carotene. And that's why we say we can feed the chickens these things. Right. Because they will help the richness of the yolk with this color. The more orange egg yolk. The brightness of of the egg yolk. Right. And it's the beta carotenes are car- are very good for you. Yes, absolutely. So don't waste those egg yolks. Eat them. Yeah. <laughs> or do what I do. Eat one or two and then give one or two to the dogs. Okay. And then they get to enjoy it. And who else enjoys eggs? Grayson egg- the parrot? Yes. I'm not surprised. It's so funny. It's one of his favorite things to do. So I'll make like three hard-boiled eggs mm-hmm. like for breakfast. And then I'll eat like one or two yolks. And then I split the other yolk sometimes one and a half yolks, into three dogs and a parrot. Oh, that's funny. And now they know when I'm peeling the egg, mm-hmm. they all wait. They know there's some good stuff coming their way. Yeah, and Grayson, <laughs> he claps and goes back and forth. Aww. And then he holds the yolk and takes little bites of it. It's so cute. That's really cute. You need yeah. to record that sometime. <laughs> <laughs> so the egg white. The egg white is 90% water. It contains almost no fat. The other 10% are bundles of protein. Right. If you looked at it under a microscope, it's literally little bundles, little right. strings. When that's heated, they stretch out. It's called denaturing. Right. They stretch out and form that solid white. Exactly. And the whole egg white is surrounded by a membrane. Above the membrane is the air sac. Right. And this is why we always tell you the air sac's really important that you want to have the pointy side down. Yes. When you store them. Right. The round side up. It keeps the air sac more intact for a longer amount of time. And that is what keeps the egg good. Yes. So storing them does make a difference in how you store them. I suppose the same goes for hatching eggs. If you're going to hatch eggs, you want to store them the same way because you want to make sure that air sac stays intact. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. So then we're onto our egg shell. Everybody says, okay, give your chickens more calcium. That's right. because eggshells are entirely made up of calcium. Right. And it's very important for them to have this calcium carbonate to be able to make the shell. Right. It's the same material that makes up seashells. In an eggshell, it's basically nanoparticles and they connect and they form that hard calcite shell. Yeah. Seashells are excretions from other creatures. Right. So when you think about the seashell, you're like, oh, this is great. In it lived something that excreted that shell. Right. So the calcium carbonate, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of the same kind of thing as with chickens. It's all very cool. Nature working its hardest to be natural. (laughs) Here's where it's even cooler. So in order for a chick to develop in the egg, it needs to allow the exchange of gases so that oxygen and moisture are present. This is possible because each eggshell contains thousands of tiny pores. Yes, seven to 9,000 to be exact. That is a lot. Look at an egg. Can you imagine all of those tiny little openings on that shell? It's got to be able to have gas passing through different things. And people don't realize eggs are porous. They don't seem like it can be absorbed, but it can. It can, yeah. Very easily. When you think about seven to 9,000 per egg. That's a lot. And we're going to talk about that with Fiona with broody hems. Right. Now, we talked about this in episode 17, the fact that all eggshells would be white without the addition of pigment. That's the color of the calcium carbonate crystals. 
The pigment secreted by the brown egg layers is called protoporphyrin, mm-hmm. and it is derived from heme, which is hemoglobin. Yeah, the compound that gives red blood cells their color. Correct. The pigment is produced in the cells lining the hen's oviduct. Right. I always say it's kind of like a car wash when the egg finally comes out and it's spinning and turning inside the chicken to come through, and then it gets sprayed. It's very slow, though. It's got to be moving around to get all surfaces of the egg covered. Uh-huh. As each egg drops, one is right behind it. Right. So it's not like a fast process. You're right. Right. And we're going to talk more about the mechanics in next week's episode. Right. When we do the hen's reproductive system. Right. We talked about this as well. The blue eggs are caused by biliverdin, which is a precursor to bilirubin. Right, which is a liver enzyme, mm-hmm. which it's an enzyme that tests in people and small animals' liver function. Okay. So it just tells you how wild nature can be. Right. That this is something that works in a liver, but then it's also something that's going to color your egg a beautiful blue color. It's fascinating. The blue pigment, just like the brown, is also applied to eggs in the hen's oviduct. But unlike the brown pigment, the blue, for some reason, permeates the eggshell completely. Mm-hmm. Where you're not going to see the inside is white. Right. And the brown pigment sits on top of the shell. Yes, exactly. Also, we talked about this in episode 17, only chickens with genes linked to South American aracanas produce blue shell pigment. Right. And then your green eggs are a mix of blue and brown. Yes. I can't say it enough. Nature is special and it gives you rainbow eggs and it makes it more fun to even eat eggs. It's amazing. Just a little sneak peek. Next week's breed is going to be a green egg layer. Yeah. And sometimes they're green with red speckles. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. That's why I said nature is cool. It really is. It's cool to learn about. Okay, so if you really want to learn more about the egg, you can go on and even do more research. But the egg is a very cool thing to learn about. And if you have any questions, ask us. We'll help you if we can. We'll get in a little more detail about the egg production. Like we said, yeah. next week's episode, it'll be fun. To, yeah, do the whole reproductive cycle of the hen. Yeah. Okay, so we are going to go into cracking the eggs. Cracking the eggs. And this week we're doing Southwestern shrimp cob salad. This is one of your recipes. It's one of my like concoctions kind of that I've come up with. Oh, but it's so good. For one thing, we've tried because you do eat shrimp. Mm -hmm. You don't eat meat, dairy, or gluten. So I'm sorry. It's complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Try to like come up with different things that we can eat together. Right. I don't want to eat meat in front of you. It's not cool. It doesn't bother me. The non-meat eating is a choice. Yeah. The gluten and dairy are... Medical. Right. I can't have them, but... So when we brainstorm about recipes, this is one that I kind of came up with. We tried it and tested it. It's amazing. It's really delicious. We used it at our garden party. Right. So today we're talking about the Southwestern Shrimp Cobb Salad. So basically, the recipe itself is to assemble the ingredients that you'll need. Yeah. The first thing, hard boil and peel your eggs the day before. So you have that done. Also, you want your shrimp cooked and peeled. Yes. Or, yeah, and steamed. You can get those. What we do is go right to the grocery store. Mm -hmm. You buy the shrimp or the seafood market. Right. And they steam them for you for free. That's perfect. Why would you even bother to do it any (laughs) other way? Seriously, just have them do it for you. Yeah. And then what else do we do? We start with lettuce. Right. I mean, this is a super easy main dish. So we just took a nice wide bowl. Yeah. We used the chicken bowl. The chicken bowl, right. And we layered the grains in there. And then we added tomatoes Mm -hmm. and cucumber and anything that you want to put in a salad. We put avocado in too, didn't we? We did avocado. We did the shrimp. 
We did the eggs. We did minus the bacon because ours was vegetarian. If right. Cobb normally has bacon, if that's the way you want it, yeah. you can do it that way. We did corn and black beans for the Southwest. And basically what we did, instead of doing just a normal dressing, we got sweet corn salsa. Oh, that was delicious. And then added oil and vinegar to that. Right. And that was our dressing. That was our dressing. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. And then we put avocado on the very top. Right. So traditional cob salad often calls for the ingredients to be laid out in rows. Yes. And you can do that with this. Yeah. It would look really pretty. We didn't bother. Yeah, we didn't do cheese either. We didn't do cheese either, but you could certainly add cheese you to You could this. add cheese to your mm-hmm. cob. I think cob normally has cheese. And this is one that you can vary it for what you need dietary-wise. Right. So you can make it work for across the board or you can make it work just for you. Right. I loved it. It was like a great warm weather salad. And it was filling. It was a whole meal. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I loved it. The shrimp and the eggs together with that dressing. Yeah. It's just the whole thing was delicious. And the black beans and the eggs give you protein. So right. do the shrimp. So do the shrimp. There's plenty of protein There's, in the yeah, salad. So you don't need anything else. Well, we had it with some rosé, which was fantastic. A crisp white. Yeah. Like maybe a, like a Portuguese vino verde, something like that would be amazing. After talking to Lisa, we might have to <laughs> break out the wine. Apothic. Yeah, exactly. Dark. I have Apothic Dark. She does Apothic Red blends. and Apothic Red is the one that I've had. Yeah. Yeah. So we might have to just do some of that with it. That would be great. <laughs> so, yeah, it's an easy thing to do. We're going to have the recipe up. Yeah. It's pretty simple. But, it's just variations, but it's, you know, some flavors you might not have thought to put together. If you do the salad in rows, if you do a salad at all, please take a picture, send it to us. We'll get you up on our storyboard on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We love seeing everybody do the recipes. Yes. Great. Did we even photograph this when we did it for the garden party? Yeah. We did photograph We have it. pictures. Okay. I know we have it sitting on, on the whole table. On the table. Yeah. I'm not sure if we have a separate picture, which okay. I don't think. I wish we would have. Yeah. We were so busy that day that yep. we didn't get all the shots that we wanted. Nah. But for next time, we know that we'll take more pictures. Absolutely. Okay. So we need to move on to retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. Yeah. So retail therapy this week. We're going into summer. We're in summer, basically. And we want it to go fun. Oh, it's fun. So we're going to shock y'all and talk about (laughs) something that we don't even know that you know that you can get. Do you know that you can get this? I did know. I knew, too, because I'm like crazy chicken lady. We're talking about chicken bathing suits. Not for your chickens. For your chickens, no. But there's pictures on there of chickens in bathing suits, yeah. but that's not what we're talking well, we're about. We're talking about swimsuits for people that have chicken on them. And believe me, they exist. You know what cracked me up is how many of them there were. There are a lot. And there's a lot for every type of person, basically. Yeah. So you can go to Amazon and search chicken bathing suits for women. Yes. And a whole bunch come up. There, there are tons. We did three websites. Right. We did Amazon, Tea Amazing. And Etsy. Yes. And all of them, the offerings are all over the place. I mean, they're really pretty like chicken with florals. Yeah. And then there are some that are a little sillier, (laughs) maybe not so G-rated. So there's one piece, there's two piece, there's bikinis, tankinis, Mm -hmm. any kind of suit. There's, like you said, the country, like with all the little chickens all over it. I kind of like those. I thought they were cute. They're cute. Or you can get a suit with a huge chicken on it. Yes. I don't know if I personally would pick that. I would probably wouldn't. I don't know. As someone that had a pair of chickens that look like Moran's to me. Yeah, you show me that one. wear your Moran one-piece suit. (laughs) (laughs) There's also the two-piece of the chickens dabbing. 
it has chickens all over oh, it. And I don't know if I saw that one. They're okay. dabbing. Okay. It's just actually fun to look these things up and look at the images and then go see that you can actually <laughs> there, buy these. There was one a bikini with the giant rooster on the butt. I'm not sure what to make of that one. Okay. Look at this one here. <laughs> what in the world? <laughs> okay. So we're looking at this one we just found and it looks like someone took a picture of their chicken walking away. So it'd be like a fluffy butt Friday and it just says bye and it's their bathing suit. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it is. You probably could have like a picture of your chicken to make a custom one probably. piece. Or whatever. I'm sure there's... there's. She looks like she's running to me. That chicken is running away. She's <laughs> running to a pool. <laughs> she's like, get me out of here. It's I'm, hot. I'm done. And there's some silly ones. And there's men's. There's... Yes. The men's are the ones that kind of veer off into the... Outrageous. Yes. Less than PG-13 territory. Yeah. Like, if you have kids, you don't want your husband, like, wearing ones like that. But then they have the ones that have the roosters all over them. Yeah. Some of them are great. Mm -hmm. Which were really cute. And the ones that are, like, country print, they actually look a little, like, preppy. But some of the other ones, the chickens are so tiny, they could be flowers or polka dots. Yeah. It's and hard then to see. you can enjoy what the... in the... <laughs> You can enjoy wearing uh -huh. chickens on your bathing suit and then not be like called well, out where somebody's looking and pointing. are placed in interesting spots. Here's one with a rooster on the butt. I mean, it's a pretty rooster. But I don't think I'd want to walk around with that. With a rooster in your butt? No. I think I'd want to pick more of one of the country print that uh -huh. had like a whole bunch of little hens on it. Yeah. And it would be cute and you could wear a cute cover up with it. Oh, my God. No. Like some of these, the chickens are placed on these, some of these bathing suits where, let's just say where a fig leaf would be. <laughs> it's not, yeah. But yeah, so they're out there. You go on Etsy. Uh -huh. You can look up the bathing suits. You can even just go to Amazon. Yeah, there are plenty. I've got links to all three in the show notes. Yeah. So again, if you decide to go out and buy a chicken bathing suit, which we might do. I mean, I need another swimsuit. <laughs> I, 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 you know, <laughs> buying one with chickens hadn't crossed my mind. Oh, I like this one. That's Girl, cute. I've not worn a bikini that small since I was five years old. Oh, my heavens. But it is cute. It would be cute, like, on the girls. It would be very cute, yeah. It's just pink polka dots with chickens yes. walking on it. It's really cute. And some of them, like, there's ruffle tops. And, I mean, it's just really cool. So we wanted to go fun this week and just look oh, it up. It's been fun. And see what we've got. And... Oh, we got something, you know, we, like, yes, we didn't know exactly what we were. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. And as we're talking to you, we're on my iPad, just kind of, again, going through the shots. And some of them, you just, you're in the middle of speech and they make you laugh. And you're like, why again are we doing the chicken bathing suit? But it's fun. It's different. I want, I want a chicken bathing suit with a little skirt. I'm old, man. No, I wear the skirts too. Do you? Okay. They're more comfortable sometimes. I wear like the high-waisted, the new high-waisted kind. Uh -huh. They're really cool, too. And then the flowy top. They're definitely a lot out there. So and They cover the spectrum in all different styles fun. and things. Yes. If you're ever just sitting there and you're like, what should I look up? Chicken bathing suits. It's summertime. Yeah, I will say this was your idea. <laughs> I don't think it would have crossed my mind. I do not. Well, but it's, it's just fun. a fun time of the year. Yeah. And then, you know, you're going to somebody's house. If you have one of the little country prints, people would like it. Probably. If you go with, like, the huge rooster on your whole body. I would do the whole rooster if it was one of those suits that were maximum coverage. The skirt and everything. I would do a whole rooster then. Oh, okay. I'm not afraid of the bold rooster. That would maybe break it up a little bit. Yeah. Like the little skirt that went with it. Yeah. But I haven't seen any of these with a little skirt. 
I also like a separate top and like surf shorts. Oh, yeah. That would be cute. I haven't seen anything like that either. So search it out. Do yourself a favor. It's summertime. Get some chicken bathing suit. Get some chicken bathing suit. So, Holly Ann, what should we tell everybody we're going to be talking about next week? Oh, next week. We're talking about a super cool chicken. Okay. The ice bar. Ooh, that's going to be so much fun. Yeah. We're also, as we said earlier, we're going to talk about the hen's reproductive system. That's going to be so much fun. Lots of good information there. Yep. Our recipe is Chrissy's egg salad. (laughs) We're keeping it super easy. Hey, I am that simple cook. Sometimes it's five ingredients or less. They make the best things. Yeah. And we're going to talk to Teddy from Therapy Chickens about her artwork. So much fun. Yeah. Teddy is such a sweetie. Absolutely. Okay. So before we go, what should we tell everybody to do? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show so that we can bring you even more high-quality chicken content, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.